podcast. Today we have uh, Galena, of course. We also have our good friend, Barbara Lucas. I'm very excited to have Barbara. Welcome. Thank you. I'm glad so to be good here. To have you. So good to have you. Some of you might be familiar with Barbara Loomis from the uh, Look You Don't Have to Touch chapter in our book, Eat Well, Move Well, Live Well. Mm-hmm. And this is our chapter on pee and poo. Uh, but others might be familiar with Barbara as the alignment monkey. I met Barbara uh, during my restorative exercise specialist training. We are both learning from Katie Bowman. And then later on, I uh, had the pleasure of taking a self-care abdominal massage um, weekend with her that has just completely transformed how I see the belly and myself and my own belly and other people's bellies and in today's free the belly episode we're going to talk all about the belly. Barbara specializes in several forms of abdominal therapies. She has a wealth of experience over 20 years working in the healing arts field. She's a practitioner of visceral manipulation as well as a practitioner and educator of the Arvigo techniques of Maya abdominal therapy and Chine Song, which is a Chinese abdominal therapy. You can look her up right now as you're listening, unless you guys are driving, don't look her up, <laughs> on nurturance.net, or you can look up her Alignment Monkey blog. So Barbara, without further delay, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. We're going to jump right in, and we named this episode Free the Belly after a recent course on abdominal self-care that you released called Free the Belly. I have loved your course so much, and we'll spend some time at the end talking about it. But first, can we talk a little bit about the hidden world of the belly? So many people, and if you're listening to this, you probably have a belly. So many people with bellies have belly issues, such as digestive distress or some sort of a reproductive challenge. But um, in the um, more mainstream medical field, we might run tests, we might do things like here are certain medications or certain things to eat or not to eat that your doctor might tell you to do. But very rarely uh, a medical practitioner will say, hey, why don't you explore abdominal massage? Why don't you explore more movement? Why don't you um, explore herbal remedies? And it seems like touch, herbal remedies, nutrition, movement, it, it, it sort of is looked at as something that's not related to when something is aching in the belly or we have an abdominal um, condition of some sort, yet it's a, a world of knowledge and a wealth of experience in your field that I feel if more people knew about, they could overcome digestive distress so much easier. Can you talk a little bit about that and why that is? Yeah, so with movement and manual therapy, there's some core things that we're, we're working with. Um, Mainly, movement and manual therapy increase the five systems of flow, blood, lymph, um, arterial and venous flow, nerve and energy flow through the body. And it's helping with mobility and motility of the internal organs. So mobility is from external sources like movement in the breath and massage 
And motility is this intrinsic movement that each organ has that it needs to maintain to maintain um, physiological function. So with, well, let's, you asked about digestive health. So something many people are familiar with is constipation. And so you go to the doctor and the doctor, as you said, may um, recommend uh, some kind of pill like a laxative for the constipation. But that only gets to the symptom of constipation. And the constipation can actually be caused from many different things. Not not one area works in isolation. And the constipation can also um, affect reproductive health as well. And so starting from uh, movement therapy or from mobility. So I may, when someone comes in, I may uh, look at their lifestyle, how much they are moving and um, look at their breath. So if they're stressed, for instance, they may just be upper chest breathing and when we, we are able to breathe in a nice full breath, or even just a moderate breath, it lifts the corners of the colon three centimeters. And then with a nice full breath, about 10 centimeters with a really full expansive breath. And that helps with the mobility of the colon to move the poo through. So it assists in that peristalsis, that wave-like movement of the intestines. And if we're just sitting in our desks all day and we're just shallow breathing because we're stressed, we're not moving or our body's not um, uh, engaging the diaphragm, then that can slow down our the motility of our gut. And so other movements like twisting and walking, walking um, the internal organs kind of passively follow our walking and twisting motion. Um, massage helps move, find restrictions in the body and enhances that natural motility and mobility of the internal organs. And so I would say both movement and massage, um, oftentimes we look for a more complicated fix. And once we get down to very simple things that we can do for ourselves, we help, um, we can help mobilize the, the internal organs so that they can function properly. Yeah, it's very helpful to hear that because oftentimes like the kinds of people that come to me might have something like uh, IBS or IBD or um, constipation or they might have SIBO or any of these things. And um, it's very interesting to see by the time they come to me, they've been pretty much everywhere through the medical route and then the alternative medical route. And maybe they've had so many tests done and they've had thousands of dollars of supplements and they've had to drastically change their diets and they're still very symptomatic. And when we look at things like how they're holding their body or how they're breathing, 
or whether they're twisting when they walk versus walking kind of like a, a solid block of ice, you know, trying to just like mm-hmm. just gliding forward, like on a conveyor belt. And I talked to them a little bit about how important movement is from the outside to the organs and how important it is to get the restrictions from surgeries or scars or things like that that we're going to talk about with you in a little bit, how important it is to move those through. And they look at me like, well, how come no one else said that? And so <laughs> it's it's almost like it opens this world that they weren't aware of and how wonderful that you are here to talk about this world existing and how empowering it is that you can follow through with a manual therapist or a movement therapist or somebody who's both like you. And it's so hopeful and so many changes happen very quickly. Yeah. And um, when I bring, I, I, when you were talking, it made me think of a client recently who um, she was coming in for constipation and bloating and I do the manual therapy. I talk to her about um, her work that she probably should get up and do a sit stand situation, and she can do res- restorative exercises at her desk. And but she just like didn't wasn't um, changing her behavior. She just wanted me to to push her poo through each the hundred, week. The hundred dollar poop. <laughs> yeah, the hundred dollar poop. And so she. <laughs> come in midweek and she'd start to get bloated again and finally when she switched to her standing workstation where she could vary her position throughout the day it it resolved so it's just sometimes that because it's so common that we've been sitting for so long that people can't imagine that it's just that simple. I mean, not always that simple. Things right. can be complicated, but it's a good place to start and a good foundation to build everything else on. Yeah. And that gets us into our next question, which Roland is going to take over the mic. Yeah. Um, so it's very interesting. So this person's sort of sedentary lifestyle or semi-sedentary lifestyle was causing um, poop or lack of poo problems, right? So mm-hmm. what other kinds of things are like, what, what makes modern people in our modern lifestyle more susceptible to digestive distress? Like how did we get there as a people? Like what, and what are our ancestors? Do? Like what can we learn from our ancestors? Uh, um, and as, as, what can we learn? Okay. <laughs> so um, I think there are so many differences contributing to digestive distress today. that are different than, what our ancestors experience. Um, For one, um, I doubt our ancestors wore skinny jeans. And so I I see clothing (laughs) and shoes contributing to constipation as well and reproductive issues. So, for instance, I see clients that come in and they have, you can see an indent in their bellies where either they were slouching all day, sitting on their sacrum, or their skinny jeans are cutting into their belly. I remember when I um, first went through the Arvigo training and um, I had, I would get up in the middle of the night to pee several times, but not a lot of pee would come out. And I realized during my Arvigo training that my uterus was kind of flexed forward, pushing down on my bladder. And so I'd correct it with the massage and was able to sleep through the night. But then when I wore my skinny jeans and rode my bike and everything was cutting into my belly, pushing down, the symptoms would come back until it finally clicked what was going on. 
So I think um, skinny jeans and, um, you know, no doubt modern conveniences bring advantages that I appreciate, but they also change how we move and which has consequences. So I had read that, um, for instance, teens between the ages of 15 and 18 spend about seven and a half hours in front of a screen using entertainment media, and four and a half hours of that is watching TV. So it got me thinking about my youth and how I spent my time, because I didn't have a computer until I was 23 and didn't have a cell phone, didn't exist until I was like 29. So... Thanks to um, Google Maps, I was able to map out some of my old routes as a, a child. So, you, you know, if you remember your address, it's kind of cool to, to look that up and then Google Map, you know, your walk to school or something. And um, obviously, I, I wasn't living, my youth wasn't the same as my ancestors yet. It's interesting to look at the stark contrast in movement habits in such a so short period of time in our lifetime. So, you know, for instance, um, I'd walk to the liquor store, which was one and 1.1 miles away from my house, to buy my grandma a couple packs of cigarettes every day. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the days when you could go to the liquor store as, as a nine-year-old with a note from the grandma. <clears throat> Um, but they would only sell two packs at a time. So I had to go every other day, you know, they, they cut, drew the line at how much they'd sell a minor. So, um, That's very, very good of them. Yeah. So thanks to my grandma's addiction and in the guy at the liquor store, I logged about six miles just on cigarette runs a week as a kid. And, um, yeah, I post. I I did a post on my life before iPhone. It was so interesting to explore that, like how how I I moved and how much I moved, opposed to like if I grew up as a child now, I think I would have moved much less. Mm -hmm. I am but... I am certain because your hel helicopter grandmother would be <laughs> driving you to all of your appointments, math and softball and swimming and singing and modeling and you wouldn't have any time to buy her cigarettes because she wouldn't be smoking, she'd be vaping, you know, it would be very different. <laughs> <laughs> it would be different. But <laughs> I was thinking about, you know, I did have constipation in high school and I was thinking, you know, like in 10th grade, I'm like, that's when VH1 was popular. <laughs> and I started sitting in front of the TV watching videos. So I don't know if that had anything to do with that. But Oh, I am sure. And what do you say about stress? Like just the mere fact of sitting is stressful. But what about the stress that most people live under right now? Um, I was just I just did a a talk on stress two weeks ago for my uh, women's group and I showed them some statistics and in 2017 48% of the people said that they had more stress than the year before oh wow and that was like election yeah. year too but no it was post-election year but still you know mm-hmm yeah and they're probably talking about like the mental stress mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so we have all these uh, ways people can connect um, contact us. Um, our bosses can contact us at home. We're stuck in traffic. We can't get away from the stress sometimes. And when we're in that constant fight or flight, 
then our rest and digest system shuts down. So I think we've experienced this where we're sitting at the table with a family and maybe an argument breaks down and breaks out and all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, I can't, I can't eat anymore. You know, I just, you feel like this brick sitting in your stomach or you get bad news when you're eating. And I, I think about that, you know, there's that, that piece of it, the rest and digest shuts down, but also your high levels of cortisol will steal from progesterone. So it's going to affect your hormones as well in your reproductive cycle. Um, and I think about ways that um, we're eating today where we're not connecting with our food and we're eating in front of the TV or reading uh, the internet, you know, news, and our eyes are digesting some pretty um, fear-based or things that make us angry while we're trying to take in um, nourishment at the same time. So I think there's that kind of stress that we mm-hmm. don't think about. We might think, oh, I'm just going to relax in front of the TV, but you're watching the news and it's provoking these feelings while you're trying to take in food and you didn't even smell your food or taste it a lot of times or have any kind of connection with it. Mm-hmm. And all of that leads to digestive distress as digestion shuts down when we're in this more fight or flight survival based physiology instead of this repair healing kind physiology. I feel like that's a big, um, a big part of that and that we can be found anywhere. I mean, like there's, I leave without my phone regularly But then when I come back, I have 20 texts, you know, it's like, oh, okay, I have to look at those. Um, And it's just a weird world where there's so much more stress than I feel my parents had when they were my age. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's different types of stress, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the electronics and being able to be connected. And then I think if you go even further back, there's stress of artificial light. Mm -hmm. um that you're constantly in that's affecting your hormones and your sleep patterns and yeah yeah so back to how you could help or someone trained like you could help when does one go okay i've done my tests my gi tests have come back normal or i've taken the medicine that my uh, medical doctor has prescribed when does somebody come to a body worker like you for abdominal um massage therapy so the main things I see people for and it's great when they've they're seeing a naturopath or nutritionist or health coach like you so they're getting their nutrition dialed in so they have that great base to um, work with and they've had a lot of times um, my clients they've had a lot of tests done and the tests don't show anything And so I see a lot of clients with digestive issues like bloating, constipation, um, hemorrhoids, um, painful menses, fertility challenges, odd abdominal pains, frequent urination. And so in all, a lot of these things can be related. So, Typically, someone will come in and I'll do a listening where I'll listen to where 
their main their their body will hog whatever lesions the most primary in the moment. So it gives me an idea of where to start. And so I I look at it as their body's leading me. Mm-hmm. And I'm treating the person, not the disorder or disease, because people can present things in a different way. And if you are just thinking about, oh, if you're constipated, it must be about this, or you're having painful periods, it must be about that. All that's good information, but then you have to kind of put it on the back burner and then listen to the body and let the body guide you. Mm-hmm. So pretty much anyone is a candidate to come for an abdominal massage session, um, at least for an assessment and see how that could help them in their particular situation. Is that correct? Yeah, I think it's um, pretty safe to say. And even things that seem unrelated to the belly, um, like, for instance, knee pain, I had chronic knee pain in my right knee, and I have seen this pattern with women before. And so you might go to the massage therapist and they'll work on your knee. But it turns out I started charting my cycle and realizing it it was happening when I was ovulating on the right. And so my psoas would be irritated by that ovulation because of the, the over reposition. And that would irritate that genital femoral nerve that ran through the psoas down Mm. to my knee. And so I started doing the massage around my ovary and it released the pain in my knee. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. And I've seen that too with like neck issues. Like I had my neck pain released when someone massaged my belly. I went in for neck pain and really wanted him to massage my neck, you know, rub my neck, rub my neck. And um, he he never touched my neck. He just rubbed my belly or massaged my belly. And um, by the end of the session, he's like, how's your neck? I'm like, wow, it's it's fine. And and I've seen that with clients or um, manipulating around maybe their navel. And they're like, oh, I feel that in my neck or my head. Mm-hmm. And so it's things come up that you wouldn't expect to. Yeah. I, I remember an, an experience with the person who does my visceral manipulation, my physical therapist. And I remember her working somewhere around my my belly and my diaphragm. I could feel my eyeball, like <laughs> the, the extraocular muscles. And I was like, this is really freaky. Like, you know about the, I know about the continuity of tissue. I preach to my clients about the continuity of tissue and how everything's connected and the integrity model and show them charts. But when you feel your own eyeball move when somebody's rubbing your belly, it's like, oh, okay. It's a really interesting experience. You sure that wasn't some sort of undeveloped twin? It was my undeveloped twin. <laughs> For sure. For sure. that. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting because I think a lot of people are now used to the idea that when you have a headache that it could be it could lead to a pain in your neck from your neck like something tight in your neck or a pinched mm-hmm. nerve in your upper back or even down to your lower back they see that connection more clearly these or days or like eye tension or Correct. something in your jaw right? yeah like all of these things they see how it's connected but i think they think of the belly as a totally different thing they think of it as a 
like a like an empty space that just holds a lot of and holds your poo and it's like you know like the food's passing through there i don't think they think of it as the sort of an active part of our uh, body's society which can lead <laughs> to like um which can like lead you know if there's a problem down there if there's like a um, something binding you up or slowing things down or whatever tension that it can lead to something from the, the head down to the toes so that's really interesting well, it's, and I think a part of it is because when you have pain in your neck, you go to an orthopedist or to a neurologist or to even, they can do a turn the field to a chiropractor or a, or a doctor of osteopathy, but you wouldn't go to, to you, and for your belly, you'd go to a GI doctor and they're going to mm-hmm. look at your gut. And there's, we have compartmentalized our healthcare in such a, profound way that it's also affected how we think about what's what and um, I I fall prey to that one myself where I notice if I have I have a lot of food sensitivities and sometimes they'll show up when I fly or when I travel or when I lack sleep but when they show up I really tighten up my food I don't think oh I should sleep more right so we we right. go, oh, it's a food sensitivity, so I should just look at the food. So I like I eat rice and zucchini for days in a row with no other food variety just to tighten up the food instead of just saying, you know what, I could just sleep mm-hmm. more, which is usually what resolves it much faster than tightening up the food. So we, we compartmentalize, and it's important to have these conversations so we can be constantly reminded, yeah? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So what is, what is the typical experience? So when a client patient comes to you, what goes on? Um, well, um, I'll try to do the listening before I read their intake form or ask them how they're doing that day because, um, then my, my mind takes over. So, the listening again is like uh, if someone stood in front of you facing away from you and you just place your hand lightly on top of their head, you're going to feel a certain movement in their body. So maybe they'll kind of uh, side bend to one side and stop. And so then I'm like, well, what's over on that area? Well, there, there's the liver over there. So maybe when they get on the table, I'll do more of a local listening, trying to pinpoint um, where there might be a restriction. And then I'll listen to their, their liver um, and see where the restriction is and try to nudge it in the right direction and then allow their body to self-correct over a couple of weeks. I may also teach them self-care massage and with the Maya and the Chinese abdominal therapy, self-care is a huge piece. And so that's something that they can do on their own at home. And so it really connects them to their body's messages. I tell them, your body knows better than anyone what it needs. We just need to learn how to listen. Because oftentimes when something goes wrong, we'll go to the doctor and want the doctor to tell us what's wrong. And you know better than anyone. And I'm not saying you shouldn't go to the doctor, but you should work in partnership with your doctor rather than giving all over all your power to a practitioner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And so when people come in, you will touch their belly or you go mm-hmm. deep into their belly. Like what is, I know what it feels like because I've, I've experienced both your touch and my therapist's touch. But for somebody who's just hearing this for the first time and it might be like, oh, I don't want anyone touching my belly. Ew. Like you me. know, mm-hmm. like Roland, don't touch my belly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it sh- I tell them, I show them um, myself where I'm going to be touching them and I tell them it shouldn't hurt. And if at, at any time, if anything feels uncomfortable for any reason, even if you can't put words to it, just let me know and I'll stop. And people get undressed where they feel comfortable. They'll always be modestly draped with sheets and towels. And they could stay completely dressed if they wanted to. Sometimes I'll, I'll work the posterior part of the body as well. But, um, and then it, it, it's real, they're pretty amazed at how relaxing it is. Some people will fall asleep. Um, and it, it typically feels really good and relaxing. It doesn't hurt. Um, it's the osteopathic techniques I use, like the visceral manipulation, is very low force. So I'm slowly sinking through the tissues. I never push through restrictions. I'll stop at the layer where I feel a restriction and just kind of nudge it. So I'm not, if there's adhesions, I'm not tearing them apart because that would create wounding and then more adhesions would form. Plus there'd be this response in the nervous system to shut, you know, keep you out. Yeah, yeah. And and the belly is a part of the nervous system, right? That whole, mm-hmm. whole gut-brain idea or belly-brain idea. So it's very gentle. As somebody who's on the patient side, I can say it's very gentle. Uh, it goes with the body, not against the body. It goes with the breath, not against the breath. It never feels forceful. And I have to say that both you and my visceral manipulation therapist are way kinder to my belly than I am to my belly. It's like, oh, I can be this soft with myself. So it almost becomes a learned because we learn, we learn how to treat ourselves from our primary caregivers, right, growing up. And, you know, our, our parents, at least mine, are not trained body workers. And so they weren't gentle with their bodies. Um, and I, weren't, I wasn't taught to be gentle with my body. But I can say through you, uh, I have learned how to be gentle with my own belly. So I've actually softened with myself, too. And oftentimes people are surprised, like, wow, this is so gentle and it works. And we are gentle creatures. And abdominal therapy reminds us of that. Yeah. And there's a quote. I can't remember the name of the man. It's terrible. But um, it was something like, if you approach the body as if it is liquid, it will respond as liquid. And if you approach the body as if it's something solid, it will respond to something solid. Mm-hmm. I, I love I love that. That's such a great quote. Yeah. Can we jump a little bit ahead? Because I could talk to you for hours uh, and talk a little bit about what scars do to the belly. Oh, scars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, So um, anytime there's surgery, there's going to be a scar, which is the natural response to wound healing. And that's wonderful that that happens. Although the inflammatory response after like a surgery or trauma lasts on average 48 hours but 
a prolonged inflammatory phase can lead to adhesions. And so adhesions are this fibrous tissue that could be thin strands to wide webs that um, could branch out to other tissues and organs and restrict its movement. So remember when I said each organ has like a motility and mobility? Well, imagine if there's something you're trying to move and something's always pulling on you and not allowing you to move through your full range of motion. So adhesion would do that to Mm -hmm. the internal organs. So with like a C-section, symptoms may be like you have this constant pulling, nagging feeling in your belly when you go to, you know, extend your reach or... um, frequent urination if there's adhesions between the bladder and the uterus. So that would send the signal to the brain that the bladder's full before it actually is and may send someone to the bathroom um, often without the bladder being full. It may cause painful intercourse. So when penetration happens, the uterus should move up. And if adhesions are pulling not allowing it to it feels like some um, little micro tearing going on so can also lead to um, blocked bowels and constipation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I tell all my clients who have a scar that they need to see a visceral manipulation therapist because I will see or mine abdominal or chine song, somebody who understands how to work with the belly because we really don't know the depth uh, and kind of in the 3D web of the body how that is affecting flow to the lower limbs or how it's affecting digestion or future reproduction or current reproduction and um, including my, I have a couple of male clients with abdominal um, issues who have scars, you know, from hernias or appendicitis or other abdominal surgeries. And um, it seems like with women, it's so common to think of, oh, yeah, C-section kind of messes things up. But um, also with males, you know, their bellies get messed up too and their prostates and um, their erectile function or lack thereof. And it can be really debilitating for a guy to not pay attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it goes back to, you know, flows in the body. Um, because the scar and adhesion can create stagnation because uh, the fluid dynamics around the scar are not optimal. Mm -hmm. And so then the organs aren't getting fed properly and pathological debris is not being pulled away. And so that can lead to more adhesions and more dysfunction. Yeah, that that is wonderful. And we'll talk a little bit about how People can also learn how to help themselves through the amazing course that you created. Uh, but before we go on to that, uh, Roland's going to take up the, um, the, yeah, yeah. the next question, which is kind of in, in his realm of passion. Yeah, so like we, one of the, when people have problems in their belly, and we talked a lot about the types of problems already, constipation or diarrhea, the opposite, you know, diarrhea or, or irritable bowel, bowel syndrome or pain or whatever, a lot of times they jump straight to nutrition, right? And I think we can all agree that good nutrition is going to make a lot of this stuff better, but it's not the, e- the be-all, end-all when it comes to taking care of the issues within your belly. But where do you see nutrition? Where's the, what's the relationship with nutrition and the rest of this stuff? 
Yeah, uh, nutrition builds on that foundation, right? So, um, oh, um, I, I think the connection to the food, getting the proper um, nutrients, you know, the each organ needs, like the liver, for instance, needs proper nutrients for um, its detoxification pathways. Um, different stages of detox pathways require different nutritional um, components. And if the liver's overloaded, it becomes sluggish and the motility goes down. All the blood from the intestines have to pass through the liver for processing. And so things get backed up in the gut and bloating um, is created and and um, then things start to pool in the hemorrhoid vein and pelvis. Um, so again, going back to those connections that don't seem like they're connected, like varicose veins could possibly be liver congestion and an overloaded liver. So nutrition is really important there. Um, also, you know, fiber keeps the bowels moving. It um, creates that bulk that sends the signal to the brain that it's it's time to move things through. Um, so if you don't have that bulk, that's going to affect the internal wave-like motion of the colon. Um, you know, gut bacteria being fed properly. All, all nutrition's yeah huge. Is that what you were meaning with that question? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it sounds like it's so, everything is so connected, and it seems like a, um, almost like a, a phrase that we use all too often, but it's only because it's true that we use it so much, that you can go to a great GI specialist, and they might diagnose you properly and give you the proper medicine, but if there's not mobility and motility, or the organs are not in the right places. Um, a lot of my clients will be amazed. They're like, what do you mean it might not be in the right place? It's like everybody just assumes that like you're born and everything is in the right place and they should just stay in the right place for the rest of your life. But it's not, not necessarily true from what we know from your work in your field. And then you might have somebody who's an incredible um, abdominal therapist like you are and great nutrition on board but then you might be really stressed out and that might be shutting the gut down or you might have all these on board but you might have a very sedentary job and not be moving so it's almost like this flow model of of there's all these ducks that have to be in a row and the more prone you are to illness or the the health history is predisposing you to illness uh, the more you have to make sure that you have a plan for all these ducks to be in a row and find the range with which you can function and find what gets you out of that range. And it seems mm -hmm. like um, there's no easy fix. And I can imagine there's people who always have these miracle sessions. It's like, oh, I saw you once and I canceled my surgery. And I'm like, please don't tell anyone because <laughs> this is not the typical experience. Um, but so many things were already in place and that was the one missing piece. And so it was the right time for the one missing piece and things resolved, that's wonderful. But more often than not, there's several missing pieces that need to come in at the right time for the picture to be complete. Well, there's also this thing where you have, we, we have, we have a tendency to compartmentalize or to, um, I guess, 
if I could say the word, it would be the right word. Yes. So we look at, you know, you look at, you have a problem and you look at, usually people, a lot of times people think I'm going to go to the doctor because there's probably medicine for that. Right. Or I'm going to look at my nutrition because it's obviously like I'm getting gassy. So it's obviously something I'm eating or you, there's other people that are like, Oh, you know what? It's because I'm, I'm, I'm some sort of physical bound up in there and I need to go get some visceral manipulation or something. Right. And then they think that one thing is the thing when it could be that you have a legitimate infection that needs to be taken care of, but you're going to keep getting infections if you don't take care of your nutrition or get the, um, the last part, the physical problems taken care of as well. So the, um, I mean, there's more than just these three things, but those are, I think the three big buckets and within that circle of where they all three overlap, or at least the very, at the very least the two on an ongoing basis, nutrition and the, and the physical that, um, you're going to continue to have some sort of an issue. And maybe sometimes you're going to need that, that third one to, to get yourself out of a bind or to, 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 to get yourself back in order if you have, if things have gotten really bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a good point because sometimes people come in and are like, oh, I tried giving up wheat and dairy and it didn't make a difference. It's like, well, it doesn't mean that that was the only thing. I mean, at, at least you're making these changes that are creating that good foundation to build on. So don't abandon those dietary change changes just yet. You know, there's another missing piece that we need to look at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then also open our minds to look at how things accumulate and how many of the things we do are kind of like a time release capsule. Like you do something, you did something three months ago, you changed something three months ago, and now is the time that it's finally reached a tipping point and you can see right. the results in your system. Otherwise we can create these false beliefs, um, before we move to our last question, just a quick <laughs> anecdote from this week. I have a client who came to me with severe numbness in her right arm, and she's had it for 15 years. And we've been working together for about three months. And in conjunction with what we do, I um, recommended that she gets a series of uh, Feldenkrais lessons online by one of the teachers that I dearly love. And she's been doing a different lesson every day. And so she comes in the other day and she said, I slept through the night for the first night in years. And she said, I did a breathing lesson. Um, And there's several breathing lessons, but that specific breathing lesson number three, she was like, that's it. That's it. That's, That's why I slept through the night. And I said, you know, it might very well be, but also would like you to hold the possibility that you've changed so much over the last three months and maybe your physiology is just regulating because of everything you've done. And she mm-hmm. looked at me like I took her magic wand away, you know, because mm-hmm. if it was breathing lesson number three, then you can just play that before <laughs> bed every night. It becomes your new pill. I can't believe you didn't recommend breathing lesson number three to me months ago. I know, I know. And and it's just we have to be careful to not jump to these conclusions because it can yeah. be very disempowering when breathing lesson number three doesn't work and then you feel mm-hmm. broken again. Yeah. Yeah, and um, the, I, I tell people usually with like fertility and painful periods, I say give yourself three months of doing the self care and receiving treatments once or twice a month, and these other changes because everything you do or don't do in those three months prior to conception has a effect on the health of that egg because your body starts recruiting those eggs, you know, a hundred days before 
that actual ovulation. Mm -hmm. And so, and same thing for the men as well. So yeah, sometimes things are, you know, a gradual process and things are happening behind the scenes that we don't, we don't see. Mm -hmm. Or they're just even unobservable. You know, there's so many things Mm -hmm. happening in our magical bodies that we don't even know how to observe. So I'm curious to uh, learn a little bit more, hear a little bit more uh, life from you about what um, inspired you to create your self-care course. I have really, I have to say in your course, I'm not only enjoying the information, but also your presence. I find your presence very nurturing and I find you as a teacher to be very specific and direct and you give me confidence as I'm going with the through the course with you and it's just been really a a wonderful thing for me to come back to the abdominal work that you taught me many years ago and uh, to learn also what my students and our students and clients can learn from you so please share with us what inspired you to create the course and who can benefit from your course okay great thanks for sharing that's good that's good to hear Mm -hmm. um so, you know, with my blog, I get emails um, from people from all over um, saying they have, how do you, I treat my scar? And so I went online and I looked at what was out there and it wasn't exactly the approach I would take. So I thought, well, I'll just create a, a video, a quick video on how to work with your scar. And um, I realized, well, that's not responsible because I know it's not that straightforward. And then working with the belly, sometimes emotional stuff comes up. So I wanted to address that, um, tell people that sometimes emotions come up when you're working on the belly. Emotions need to be digested as well as food. And this is how I handle it when it happens. And so I give some basic guidelines when in case that happens because it happened to me and it happens to my clients. So um, you want to explain what that salty discharge is coming from their eyeballs that there's their actual <laughs> tears. This is that. normal. Yeah, it's good. And um, so I want to add in the emotional piece and, you know, the setup, how to be comfortable and your connection to your body and, you know, doing like a physical belly map so they can look at the belly and they can notice the signs that their belly's telling them mm-hmm. to really look at their belly, notice which way their navel's pulling that could be telling them where the restriction is um, or certain curves or lines in their belly. So, I want them to be able to to do that and also document the emotional pieces and watch that transformation happen. And then I, I want it to be simple for um, the lay person, someone that's not a body worker, but I don't like to oversimplify because then things kind of get lost. And so I there's some anatomy in there where I discuss the layers of the belly so that they can start to get comfortable with palpating through the layers so they don't miss restrictions and how to gently work with the body um, to help mobilize those restrictions and then some supportive modalities in there as well. Mm 
And I, I know there's a lot of body workers that are also taking the class and following my work. So I wanted to add in extra material in case they wanted to expand on the concepts or read some research articles. So I've included that in there as well. Yeah, I find your course very approachable, both for lay people who are just learning that there's something in the belly that needs attention, and also people who are more seasoned and understand how it works. But, you know, there's so much in the languaging and the approach and the pacing. And I feel like even for seasoned body workers, the, the piece about how movement matters, how stance matters, or breath matters, or nutrition matters, like all these pieces you've added that make it really holistic and really paint that whole picture, what we talked about, the different jigsaw puzzles that make the picture, you've really done that very, very well. And I feel like even a seasoned body worker can learn a lot, both about the complexity and how to teach that and pass that on better. So there'll be a good ripple effect of your course, I am certain. Oh, good. Yeah. And I intend to expand on the movement stuff and yeah I've just been kind of adding as things come up and trying to refine it but um yeah I thought well um the diet piece and a movement can keep inflammation down which is going to keep the adhesions down so it's not just about uh, addressing the adhesions that are there but also um keeping things flowing yeah yeah, lovely. And um, for those of you listening, we're going to add a link to Barbara's course in the show notes so that you can go and check it out. Yeah. It's really lovely. It's probably the most wonderful uh, online online education um, material that I've consumed in a, in a long time. Oh, thank you. It's been really, really good. And it's one that you can just watch over and over and over again. It's like, oh, yeah, I can just do this. <laughs> you know, it becomes it becomes this friendly presence because we all need them. We all need this constant um, reminder to just keep going because everyone can go gung-ho and like, oh, I'm going to really take care of this. And, you know, three weeks into it, you're like, oh, look, Netflix, you know. So it's nice <laughs> to have – it's nice – a squirrel, you know. It's nice to have <laughs> this – constant nurturing presence that um, you know becomes such a big part of of our healing not to have to do it alone and to have a really good nurturing support yeah and um yeah I've broken it down into I think there's 30 videos right now and but they're short and so you can do it in little bits and go back and review just the parts that you want to mm-hmm and just to kind of round this up for people listening, um, is your course for everyone? Can anyone benefit from your course? Well, I've designed it with uh, uncomplicated, I mean, uh, surgical scars. Well, all surgeries are complicated, but um, pretty straightforward, like uh, C-sections or appendectomies or maybe laparoscopic surgeries or exploratory surgeries. So... I, I do, since it's a self-care course and I can't be there to put my hands on yours and the body can be very complex, but I don't recommend the course for someone with really, that is in poor health, that has um, maybe a lot of mesh in their body or mm. stents or mm. colon resections and all of, uh, lots of inflammation. I think it would be best if 
they went to a practitioner. In fact, I think it's best for everyone to go to a practitioner. Um, but I know not a lot of people have access to that. So like if you have, um, if you're in good health and you have a C-section scar that you feel like might be affecting your bladder or tugging, I think it'd be a great course. Or even if you don't have a scar, but you suspect adhesions, maybe you have SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, where adhesions can slow down the motility of the gut, I think it'd be a great class to take. Or even if you're just looking to connect with your belly in a nurturing way and learn more about your belly, I think it'd, it'd be a good course. So men or women? Men or women, yeah. Um, the C-section is more for women. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, it's, but am- it's amazing how many of the men I see have um, diastasis recti or... They have scars from hernias, and somehow hernias are not considered a surgery by most of the guys that are like, oh, it's just a hernia, you know? And uh, it's it's amazing how much they could benefit, because you don't get a hernia unless there's some pressure system issue to begin with. So that mm-hmm. probably never got restored anyways. Well, it's interesting. I, went, I was going to say something earlier, but I got distracted. Um, when you said that you like to to listen to people and like pay attention to how they move in their body before you really dive too much into what they've said in their, in their, their intake form. I was thinking about how so many times we have this sort of mental or emotional block to some of the things that we've had like this, like they don't, you know, a hernia is not something a guy typically wants to talk about. So they probably, A, they don't talk about it. And over time sort of push that out and like tell themselves that it wasn't actual surgery it wasn't big wasn't serious and things like that and i think a lot of people not just men have this thing where they sort of block these things out it's interesting to hear where you ask somebody on their intake form if they've had surgery and they say no and then like months into working with them they mention some sort of oh i have wisdom teeth i have these things all these you know these things and some sort of sometimes they've had oh i had an accident and i had all these stitches and where you like find that you see the scar because they take off their, you know, they roll up their sleeves and you're like, well, what is that? And they, oh, that's from that. Mm-hmm. I had the surgery. Well, it says right here in the form, you didn't have surgery. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 yeah it's, it is interesting what comes up. And it, like I had a guy um, recently, I did listening. He came in for digestive issues, but came in and I did a listening. I'm like, the listening was taking me to your, the right side of your head. He's like, oh, yeah, I um, I was really dizzy, so I went and had MRI, and they found that I wasn't getting, like, the blood vessel to the right side of my head wasn't, um, was hardly feeding blood to my head. I'm like, oh, that's interesting you didn't mention this to me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, amazing. It's amazing. How the body tells me, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I can see how your course can lead people and you provide such great care and containment for that uh in in the course it can we can sometimes become aware and you talk about your own experiences of having these emotional um, an emotional awareness or an emotional release that comes up as you Mm -hmm. contact a certain tissue that's holding a memory 
are I, and I tell all my clients your unconscious is in your body your unconscious isn't like in the basement of the brain like you know like there's like a little basement section in the cerebellum or the brainstem because that's on the bottom it doesn't work that way your unconscious is in your body so you're going to come into your body you're going to find stuff and you provide amazing containment for that so i think even as a self-connection self-exploration self-awareness um self-kindness, self-compassion, all of that practice, doing abdominal self-care can be really, really wonderful. And maybe some history will come up and, and maybe you find that you have amazing creativity that's been sitting there waiting to be discovered or you have this passion for something you didn't know you had and that's also in your belly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just the appreciation that I'm hoping comes up for everyone because your body's performing like 7 trillion biochemical reactions every second and is doing tons of things right but we tend to focus on what's wrong and we're especially when it comes to our belly you know there's a lot of negativity around our belly how our belly looks you know and you know uh painful periods or fertility challenges or constant, why isn't anything working right? Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, sometimes pain and dysfunction are healthy responses to an unhealthy situation. And this is just the way our body's talking to us. And mm -hmm. so I really, um, I really want people to start to look at their bellies differently yeah. with more compassion yeah, wonderful. Well, we are grateful for our conversation and for you being um, a messenger of this sort of starting a new and closer relationship with our bellies and freeing our bellies and ourselves. We're going to add show notes um, of how people can find you on nurturance.net and Alignment Monkey blog um, and any other online presence when, where you can be stalked. All right, great. <laughs> Thank you. Tell us Thank again you. real quick, where can people learn more about you and your practice? Uh, Nurturance.net um, is a good place, is my website for my one-to-one -one practice, but I also have links on there to the Alignment Monkey blog and to my course, the Free the Belly online course. Wonderful. And if you guys are fortunate enough to be, you're still in Portland, right? I am. To be in Portland, Oregon, you can go and visit Barbara one-on-one, -on -one, which is a delightful experience. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Barbara, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. We loved having you, and I'm reserving the right to invite you again for a deeper discussion or even a different topic. We can have, like, a year of talking just about poop, you and I. <laughs> yes. Love talking about poop. Yeah. <laughs> Have a great rest of your day. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye. If you like today's show and want more episodes like it, you can help us by rating and reviewing the show wherever you subscribe. That means iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, or in the podcast app on your phone. Do you know somebody who can benefit from today's episode? Share it right now from the show notes, which you can always find at eatmovelive52.com slash notes. And that funk that's playing behind me? It's called Proto-Funk by Kevin McLeod. Thanks and talk to you soon. Okay.